As we've been discussing, the opening ceremony for the Summer Olympics begins tomorrow, but we've already seen quite a bit of drama, of course. A, a Greek triple jumper lost her spot on their country's team yesterday when she tweeted a racist joke and then posted material praising Golden Dawn, which is an extreme right party in her country, their symbol represents a swastika. But around the world, Olympics fans have expressed some dismay and disappointment. One listener texted this to us. The Olympics is almost the only form of global comradeship presently practiced. The athletes are a part of that historic event, and racism undermines that. Or as another listener put it, they need to be an example to others. The Olympic Games have always signified more than just the athletic battles, who's the, the strongest, the fastest. The International Olympic Committee lists striving to place sport at the service of humanity and thereby promote peace as its top priority. We have proved that we can do something to contribute to the mutual understanding of the world. What we have in common and not what our differences are. If we can all come together, it'll be for a better world. Unfortunately, history tells us a very different story. Take, for example, the 1972 Munich Olympics. That's when 11 Israeli Olympians were murdered by Palestinian terrorists. And the Games went on after a day of mourning. Or even the IOC's decision to award the 2008 Summer Olympics to Beijing, despite China's atrocious human rights record. So what exactly does the Olympics symbolize and what does it mean? World peace? Common humanity? Our, our, we, have, we have a resident cynic, a jaded historian, Andrew Roberts, with us in oh, studio. <laughs> well, let me begin with, your, with where your, your piece begins, in which you say Olympic ideals don't match reality. And you say it's an astonishing exhibition of sporting endurance and excellence. True. But there's an outburst of utter drivel about what the games achieve for the human spirit. So you don't buy the idea that the games are about unity and peace. Which doesn't make me a cynic at all. It just makes me a complete realist. Uh, the fact Sometimes is that those are the same thing. they're very good, <laughs> exactly. They're very good at um, working out who can run the fastest and who can jump the longest and who can throw the furthest. Um, for that, there's nothing like them. But as soon as the Olympic organisation attempts to talk about world peace and brotherhood, and the gentleman who runs it at the moment, Jacques Roger, um, he uh, believes that the uh, whole world will be a happier and better place because of the way that these countries come together for three weeks every four years, is complete rot. Um, and it's been proved again and again, ever since it was founded in the 1890s, that uh, these very high, very noble, very wonderful ideas that have been put forward, actually, when it comes down to it, in practice, is tripe. Well, let's talk a little bit about what you call the proof that this is tripe, the proof that is an utter drivel in your words. What are the incidents, you think, that demonstrate that the Olympics are not about common, shared human spirit. Oh, well, the classic one, of course, is the um, Nazi Olympics of 1936. 114 anti-Semitic laws had been passed by the Nazis since Hitler, in between Hitler coming to power and the opening of the Olympics, and yet their totalitarianism was able to be showcased to the world in its most positive light. And don't tell me about Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens is a massive thing in America. I'm afraid it did not wreck the 1936 Olympics. The fact is that the Fuhrer still came away with this enormously successful games for the Nazis. That's only the first one. Then, of course, you move to, as you mentioned, the monstrous massacre of the uh, Israeli athletes, which for some reason the IOC still refuses to give a minute silence for, even though it's the 40th anniversary coming up this year. Um, then you have the fact that between 19... Um, 
52 and the year 2001, both of the IOC presidents were uh, anti-Semites, were... Um, pretty monstrous racist, and in the case of one of them, Juan Samaranch, was an out-and-out fascist. And uh, these people also, of course, uh, at that time, allowed the totalitarian um, nations such as Russia and in 2008 China also to showcase themselves in the most... um, just presenting themselves in the most positive way to the world... And this is supposed in some way to advance the cause of world peace, even though Russia was invading Afghanistan at the time and China in 2008 had its jackboot on the neck of Tibet. It just simply doesn't compute. Well, you put me in the position of kind of being the Pollyanna pushback here, but to a certain extent, maybe it's it's the negative things that are, are, are hopefully balanced by positive. Is there no, nothing positive about these all these athletes from different countries gathering together in the Olympic Village? In a spirit of uh, nationalism, which is the thing that comes naturally out of the idea of having 205 countries all competing against one another. Um, look, it is wonderful when it comes to the sport. But please, why try to mix up politics with sport? The Olympic Committee says it constantly is against mixing up politics with sport and then it comes out with these completely Pollyanna-ish, as you say, uh, claims about world peace. Well, but it's great but, for Visa and uh, McDonald's. But I... <laughs> I but if, you're, if you're presenting those, those as uh, the um, driving forces behind world peace, then absolutely. <laughs> but I guess the, the alternative, of course, is just to for them to be raw physical competitions in which one person says, we won, you lost. Ha ha ha. Actually, the ideal thing, of course, would not to have nations at all, to have individual athletes coming out, the best in the world coming out. They can all get their sponsorship now. Why do they have to march behind flags? The fact is that um, back in the 1890s, people really did have these, your word, Pollyanna-ish views about uh, about how this was going to save the world. It simply wasn't. We know it hasn't. And uh, and why don't we just go back to individuals competing? What is the more, what is the strong uh, influence here, though, as as John was mentioning, the corporations, is it money and the money to be made off the Olympics or is it nationalism? Well, the IOC is a fam- fabulously corrupt organisation, needless to say, famously so. And, uh, and the money drive is vital. Of course, the other thing is that it's tremendously expensive to put on these yeah. uh, games. Uh, my... Um, my uh, taxes in London are uh, going to go up as a result of this. These things cost billions, and so probably it's actually, um, if you were going to have a, um, a games, an individual games, then it shouldn't be a peripatetic one. It should be one back in Athens as it originally began. Naked. And by the way, they started, they carried on fighting then. Yeah. There was a battle in 364 AD actually in the Olympic Stadium. Oh, so holy cow. Don't give me this idea about world peace. The, the other thing to mention is that often, although each country that hosts the Olympics is supposed to be welcoming the world with open arms and graciousness, yet what we're hearing from many Londoners is how they wish they weren't hosting the Olympics. Yeah, it doesn't help that our um, uh, the security apparatus seems yeah. to have collapsed as well. But uh, it's actually quite sunny in London at the moment, I'm told. And, uh, Thank goodness, because uh, there's no roof. Precisely. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a smart one. Um, and, do you have a uh, flat in London? Well, I, I have a house in London. Have for, you rented it out to the Albanians? Do you, do you know, funnily enough, even they couldn't afford it. <laughs> uh, but, the, um, but the fact is that it's rained in London uh, for every day but five since March. And now now the sun has come out, so with any luck, we'll be okay. But there's there's no path forward, do you think, for the Olympics to kind of restore this this idea that they're a pure 
amateur, simply a, a, a astonishing display of what the human body is capable of. Can we ever get back to that? Yes, we can, but we need to denationalize it. And we, and we certainly need to, start to, to stop talking rubbish about, uh, about world peace. Let's just concentrate on the sport. That's what the Olympics are all about. That's what they were about, and that's what they should be about. And I think probably the incident with the, with the North Korean uh, well, soccer players this demonstrates is a classic, that. This is a classic example. Of any country which has any... Um, any uh, sense of uh, humour and also confidence in its identity would roar with laughter at that. Anybody should find that funny. With North Korea, of course, it'll probably be a hanging offence. <laughs> Hopefully they're not going to hang anybody. They're blaming it on the, on the video producers. But are, are you going to watch the Olympics at of least? Of course, absolutely. But I'm not going to be watching it for uh, some feel-good factor. About... And you're not going to be rooting for the UK? Of course I am. I'm, I'm as patriotic as the next man. But I really think that it's going to be a um, wonderful... Um, pageant of, of human endurance. It's not going to be something that is going oh, to uh, make us all feel happy. I think we should that. gather around the coffee table and hold, hold hands. hands and sing Kumbaya. Can they sing Kumbaya in the UK also? That's a, that's oh, a big look at those hit. North I don't think Koreans. I have recently. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Andrew Roberts is a historian, uh, author of the most recently of The Storm of War, A New History of the Second World War, and has written a piece called Olympic Ideals Don't Match Reality for the Wall Street Journal. Thanks so much. Thank you.